0: Hello, Charlie. Charlie, one. This is Granite Zero. Welcome back, troops. It's time for another instalment of Granite Zero podcast. With me, Tomo. It's great to have to be back in uh, chatting some more. I've been a lot going on. Um, I set up a uh, a Twitter account at Granite Zero. Uh, I've had loads of fucking followers, loads of people checking out the last episode of the podcast, which has gone down an absolute storm, which I fucking loved um, recording that one back in the shed. And uh, it was, um, yeah, again, loads of positive feedback and it's been so keep saying the word positive, but it has been so positive, the amount of feedback that I'm getting, and it's helping um, spread the message and spread the word, and uh, it's given me a new lease of life to record these weekly. Um, Last week I obviously did two, um, and uh, this week it's probably just going to be the singular, but who knows, I might get uh, another one in again during my uh, day off in the week so much been going on in there in the world but obviously the main talking point has to be the uh, madness in fucking New Zealand that was horrific and what goes through people's heads when they've got to do this they're, they're, they're mentally unstable is what they are and to blast away like 50 plus people with an automatic assault rifle you know I honestly don't know what possesses people and it's people like that that cause more conflicts and more everything because now he's attacked a mosque. So those of them that are with ISIS and, and you know and things like that are gonna retaliate somewhere else and blow up a concert or something crazy like that and it's just a never-ending cycle of this madness. And it's a type of madness is why, you know, people like myself and others join the military is to try and stamp out that disgusting, horrible, heinous acts that happen around the world. You know, and he's just a disgusting creature that deserves to have his life taken away. He deserves not only to be put in prison, but... To be have his just be terminated, I feel. Because it's disgusting. And I mean, you know, the videos have been going around. I'm pretty sure he live-streamed it, didn't he, on Facebook or something? How the fuck did that get through? Did someone think he was playing a computer game? It looked like a computer game to start with. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is realistic. Or one of those old um, adverts for, like, Nerf guns. And then you realise that he's cutting about mowing down... Um, Muslims in their place of prayer, you know that's a holy, sacred place where they've gone to worship their own God, and he's gone in there and just blasted a bunch of unarmed people, and that's a huge talking point: is the fact that they were unarmed people. It's not like he was in a war zone fighting other people that. Um, were armed and were trying to fight back against him or that he was unarmed himself and he was fighting with his own fists. No, no. He's got an automatic assault rifle and he's gone in there. He's seen them all praying. He's blown the first couple away with a shotgun and then just blasted them through with with his rifle. It's disgusting absolutely vile. It's just, what goes through his head? I mean, they're going to have to um, do a mental evaluation before they terminate his life, surely. If they do terminate his life, that is. It's just, there's going to be some sort of retaliation here. I can feel it. and Where it's going to be, I don't know, but something's going to happen here. And it's going to be that guy's fault. Or he's going to be part of the problem. Or he's got friends that are going to go and do something else. Apparently, he's planned it for years, hasn't he? A few years, been planning this. He had writing all over his bloody rifle. Magazine drill and his stoppage drill was a bit terrible, though, wasn't it? He's just, just disgusting. Absolutely vile. And obviously, right... Just on a light note, you know, wherever there is darkness like that, there's light. And obviously, the light this this weekend. I mean, I wish I had a banner that just said I love sports because you had Wales that won the Grand Slam. I think that he's. I think Gatlin is the first uh, coach to win three Grand Slams. That is. Outrageous. I remember England winning the Grand Slam a couple of times. You know, back in the day with uh Super Johnny Wilkinson. I remember that. Obviously we won the World Cup. But you know, Wales winning three Grand Slams under the same coach as something else. And the way that they started against I think it was France, they didn't look like the team that was gonna do it. But then the next game they got better, the next game they got better, and then they came back from behind to beat England, and it was like Fair play, Taffy boys. Fair play. And I know... I got a lot of shit from me mum. Because me me mum is... She's Welsh. So, you know, she's forever constantly bombarding me saying that I'm half Welsh. I should be supporting Wales. This, that and the other. I've got the lads that I used to serve with. Tomo, you're Welsh. You come from Hereford. Hey, Hereford's in England. And I was born in England. I'm English. But... Watching how Wales dominated the Six Nations, you know, getting the Grand Slam, beating the teams when they weren't playing their best. It just proves and shows their character and how good they are, you know. They're playing at their worst, but yet they come out with a Grand Slam. Not just winning the Six Nations, no, they won the Grand Slam. England were... Boral accounts doing fucking superbly against Scotland, and Scotland decided to. Oh, shall we play in the second half? 38 all. I don't think I've ever seen a score like that. 38 all. That's incredible. And of course, Taffy's boys beating Ireland the day before St. Patrick's Day. That's got to be something good, isn't it? I bet there was some Guinness flowing that day. Mad. <sighs> I really want to skip over the football, <laughs> being a United fan. But I have to hand it to him, and I hate doing this, especially when United lose. But Wolves have come from a team that was like in Division 2 to being playing. Up. The way they play football is brilliant. They're attacking, they play with decent football, they're passionate. Was watching the build-up to the game and watching their fans and that entrance. I was like, "Wow, that's that's like something out of a, an American sports team would do." And it's like, "Oh, wow, that's a, that's a hell of an atmosphere in that Molyneux Stadium." And watching United played it. United didn't really play as well as they should have done. I don't think. I don't think they um, attacked as well as they have in the past. And I think that. Wolves' counter-attack just left United a bit open. United went into full Arsenal mode. Apologies to any Arsenal fans. But they were trying to walk the ball in. Like, they kept using extra passes when they didn't need it. You know? And that sort of thing. You need to just... Luke Shaw needs to take a touch, whip it in. But I know it's difficult when you've got Rashford up front and um, Martial with Lingard just behind. If they had Lukaku up front... I'm sure they'd be pinging balls in left, right and centre. You had players like Pogba, who was skipper on the day, and it was like he froze a little bit. You know, the guy's a World Cup winner. Shouldn't be freezing in a game against Wolves. I'm not taking anything away from Wolves. I thought they were superb. The way they counter-attacked, the way they passed. They had better opportunities to score. United didn't have as much... um, opportunity to get shots off you know uh, apart from Rashford scoring at the end I don't I think they left it a little too late to put that little burst in it was like they were trying to be the Man United of old um, as in leaving it late never say die sort of attitude and you get to 85 minutes 88 minutes and they're 2-0 down it's like I think you've left it a little late now to go up a gear you should have gone up a gear 75 minutes when it was nil-nil Taking the game by the scruff of the neck, you know. It's um, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. Um, obviously, my picks uh, on Thursday in the um, in the boxing and in the UFC were completely wrong. So <laughs> all I can say is, don't listen to me when it comes to picking combat sports. You know. My brother has got a bit of a sixth sense for it. Me, I sort of pick. I try and think logically and it just don't fucking work. You know, I thought uh, Mickey Garcia was going to outbox Spence. And it was completely the other way around. I know that um, Garcia has gone up in weight. You know, he's given a lot of um, size. And I know size isn't everything, especially in combat sports, but... If you're fighting Errol Spence Jr and you're giving up that much of a weight gap, I think uh, Garcia's last fight was 135 pounds and then he's stepping up to welterweight. And it's like, that's a lot. That's a big gap um, in boxing terms. And I think that, you know, Spence has beaten the likes of um, uh, kel Brook. You know, and kel Brook's fought uh, Triple G before. And Spence completely shattered his orbital bone, his cheekbone. It's like, Garcia, that's a bit too... You Stay where you are, mate. Fight that that weight and continue to be a champion. I know boxers like to become a a range of um, champions. And they like to go up and down in weight. Like Manny Pacquiao, I think he's an eight-time world champion, for example. (laughs) And I know there's a lot of weight classes that you can go up like that. But I think that's a bit too much for for Mickey Garcia, you know, fighting Errol Spence like that. I think Errol Spence could go up to middleweight and fight the likes of Canelo, and I'd love to see that fight. I'm a huge Canelo fan, even if he did um, take a lot of Mexican supplements. <laughs> oh, sorry, did I say that? Oh, is in his tacos, wasn't it? Is um, is steroids in his tacos? No, 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 no. You're just taking steroids, mate. But any other case, I think he's a fantastic boxer. I always have done. He's got that style that I like, and I'd love to see that fight: Errol Spence versus um, Canelo. That'd be a good fight. And then obviously uh, the UFC live in the O2. Some decent fights on there, decent fights. Uh, but obviously the main event, Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal, is the big one to talk about, and that. God, what a fucking knockout! Jesus, I got it the other. I thought it was going to be the other way round. I thought Till was going to knock out Masvidal with a huge fucking punch, but that Jesus, the man was asleep on his way down, and he still managed to get. He hit him, and as he was on his way down, he hit him again, and then he was on the floor, and then he got the final one. (laughs) Mate, he didn't move for ages. That was a killer knockout. Killer knockout! That was ooh, you know, fuck. Wow, that's all I can say about that. Wow, you know, oh, absolute fucking madness! That knockout. He's he's a match for anyone, Masvidal. I know he was calling out Bispin for ages. I know Bispin's retired. And congratulations to Michael Bispin on um, getting to the UFC Hall of Fame. Man deserves it. First British UFC champion. First English UFC champion. And what a fighter. I know he's a bit hit and miss with everyone. He's uh, so out there with his comments and what have you. But brilliant fighter. Brilliant fighter. But yeah, Masvidal. I think the floor's open for him now. Give him one more, um, one more guy. Maybe Woodley as a tune-up fight, uh, as a tune-up fight, as the next step, you know, to fight um, Oseman for the title. It's all open now, the weight, weight division in um in the UFC. Since Woodley lost, well open, well open. I'll tell you what, right, just to... uh. Take a com- Take a complete um, turn here. <laughs> I've had some uh, little dramas with um, uh, with the with the eldest Jess Sprogly Thompson. She's a right um, she's a right little handful at the minute, right? She's seven years old, but it's like she's seventeen years old. And her attitude, mate, her attitude, it's like you say something and she's like, nah, not doing it, I'm not doing it, dad. And it's like, you know how to test me because your personality is the same as mine. And fucking hell do we clash sometimes, right? The other night, for example, the other night, right, and I wouldn't change this little lady for the world, but the other night, my God, you know, we're going tit for tat. She's going in for, She's supposed to be going to bed and she's arguing with me and she's crying and arguing and arguing. I'm arguing back because I don't know when to stop either. So we're poking and prodding each other. We're poking and prodding. And then I'm like, I'm done, right? Go to sleep. I'm closing the door. I'm done. So I go downstairs and she starts crying again. Like proper moaning, like proper... Baby-like, whinging, crying. I'm like, what's the matter? And then she's like, I can't get under my duvet. What do you mean you can't go under your duvet? What do you actually mean? Pull the corner back and get in the bed. I can't do it. I can't do it. Seriously, young lady, you need to just go to sleep. You're not going to sleep and you're becoming a nightmare for it. Just go to sleep. Please. You're really winding me up. You're winding your sister up. You're winding your mum up. And you're really winding me up. Really. So I go upstairs. And this is uh, Friday night. So they're just learning it all at school. Red Nose Day. You know. Where the money goes and all that. So I put it on thick. I spread it on there like. Fucking extra thick peanut butter. That's how thick I lay this on her. I go in there and I'm like, oi. She's like, what, dud? I'm like, you don't know how fucking lucky you got it. I probably didn't swear. I might have done. There's kids out there with nothing. Absolutely nothing. They live in a mud hut with the roof that leaks. Do you want to go and sleep out in the garden? Do you want to do that? Do you want to sleep out in the garden and do nothing? And have nothing. Because at the minute you're crying because you can't get under the duvet. There's kids out there that have to borrow clothes. Always a football strip though. It's always a United shirt. Random. They have to borrow clothes. They don't have blankets. You know. When I served. Always bring that out. I had to do hearts and minds and give them out blankets and radios. And you're worrying about this. And that. Do you want to go sleep outside? She was like, no, Dad. Sorry. And the next thing you know, sleep. Boom. Parenting at its best. Give him a guilt trip. Smashed it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. But the funny thing is, when Sprogly is going nuts and being a complete handful, Sophia little Sophia Trixabel (laughs) is an absolute angel. She's like, Daddy, I love you. Can I give you a hug before you go to work? Can I do this? Can I do that? I've done this for you. It's like, stop being such a suck up. But really, I embrace it because normally she's all mum. Mummy's doing this, mummy's doing that. I'm like, can I get some love? No? Okay. But when Jess is being a pain. Sophia's golden. But then when she becomes a pain... That's when you need to stand by... Because she is an absolute nightmare. An absolute nightmare. I mean... Five-year-old... Stop stamping your feet... And stop doing paddies. But her attitude is like... She's a 15-year-old. And it's like... God forbid... When these two actually become 17 and 15... How the fuck am I going to cope with that? I mean, I struggle enough with fucking PTSD and anxiety. What the fuck am I going to be like when I've got these two at teenagers? I'm going to just go to the pub, I think. I'm just going to go to the pub. But yeah, I wouldn't change my daughters, don't get me wrong. And I'm probably going to tell you more stories about them during the weeks because they're a huge part of my life. I mean, it changes you as a man, as a human, as a dad, as a father. Do you the same word? But, you know, it's something... When, you, when you've got two little... I'm going to call them angels. It changes you. You know, back when I was 20, 21, 22, I was an absolute nightmare. You know, I'd be going out and I'd be getting pissed. But not only would I be getting pissed, I'd be having a fight. I'd be wrestling with bouncers, you know. I'd come home, if I went home on leave, I'd get in a fight with a bouncer, or whatever. I'll tell you a funny story about that, actually. One time, I was out in Play Night Club in Hereford, uh, out with my brother, a few other friends and My brother calls naked bar and me being a complete squatty idiot I decided to go full naked bar didn't I so I pulled my trousers down shirt was coming off next thing I know the bouncers grabbing me I judo throw the one bouncer and I stand there over the top of him and I go look you're supposed to use minimal force and like an idiot who says that but then next thing I know two others fucking come and grab me take me out and they give me an absolute pasting I mean my arms are held down, I'm getting smacked in the face, I'm getting choked out by one of them, you know. Bear in mind, during all this time, my trousers are around my ankles. So, first thing that comes in my head when I stand up, I dust myself off, I look at them, wipe a bit of blood off my face, I turn to them and I go, is it okay if I pull my trousers up now because it looks like you raped me? <laughs> you know, that was the type of antics I was doing weekend on, weekend off, you know, weekly. Going out picking fights for no reason, having scraps because that, in my head, that's what I do, innit? It's a way that I used to deal with my anger problems. I used to have, I used to have, I got anger problems, so that's one way I'd deal with it. I'd go out and have a fucking scrap, a tear up. You know, I was a bit of a nasty human, but as soon as I had Jess and as soon as I had Sophia, I don't think I've had a fight since apart from with my brother. (laughs) Standard. (coughs) Excuse me So it changes you up as a person You know And that's what hurts the most Knowing that I've got this Slight problem with my PTSD My depression when I get low You know I've had it before where I've been low Uh, Kate's been at work And I've been low And I've just sat in the kitchen on the floor um, And just Crying because I've been so low and having Jess come over and give me a cuddle to make sure Daddy's all right, you know, it's heartbreaking. Because it is. You know, it's like, no, I'm fine, Jess, I'm fine. Just go up and play with your sister and try and brush it off. I don't want her to see me in a ball on the floor, you know. And I know this has taken a bit of a turn uh, back to PTSD and, and, and things like that. But let's face it, PTSD is a huge, uh, well, it's a huge factor in my life, but it's also a huge, it's a, it's a horrible disease, a horrible feeling, a horrible um, way of life, dealing with it, and some people can't. And this brings, you know, it kills people. This brings up to a huge thing for me, And I know it's a huge thing for people that served with me on 15 Squadron because three years ago a friend, a colleague, a fellow gunner, you know, and and just straight up top, top guy. You know, the man was not only a brilliant soldier but he was a brilliant friend. He's a brilliant dad, you know. And Unfortunately, through whatever tragic events and his own uh, problems he had in his head, he took his own life three years ago. And Cy Baldwin was a bloke that I don't think many people knew or uh, understood, the, the heartache, the darkness he was dealing with, to the fact that he got to the point where he had to take his own life. And that was hard to comprehend. And I'm not saying that I was the closest person to him because I wasn't. I was a friend and a colleague on the same squadron, but I'm not gonna uh, lie and say, oh, we were best friends and all this. We were close, sure. We're on the same um, squadron. I believe we're on the same flight for a little bit, on a flight, Uh, but he was a brilliant gunner. He was a fantastic sniper. Uh, and a, just a fantastic human and no, not knowing but now knowing how much pain he was in and myself dealing with the same sort of pain I've never got to the stage where I felt like right that's it you know I've never got to that stage and now I've got a platform where I can speak That's a, that's a, that's the big thing I think is being able to speak about it And I don't believe he did. I don't believe he dealt with the demons that he had inside him properly. And that's so tragic because he was such a good bloke. And to have someone who is that, you know, liked but yet still kept so much from everybody else is, is... tough to deal with I know my brother I know he's probably going to hate me for saying this but my brother has been through a similar um, scenario but his he had a very close friend that took his own life and I'm sorry for bringing it up uh, Darren but it sort of all coincides with what I'm talking about and he took his own life you know he was a very well-liked person as well. You know, he had loads of friends around him that loved him, that cared for him. But again, he couldn't deal with the demons in his own head. He used to talk to down a lot. But then, tragically, decided that was it. And the same with um, my my pal, Sai. You know, it's hard to talk about this sort of thing because it's so... <sighs> There's so many former soldiers out there, um, veterans, serving soldiers, and civilians as well that that have depression, PTSD, anxiety that can't deal with it. And don't know how to talk about things. I was one of them, you know. I didn't know how to talk about it. Until one day... You know, I went therapy. I went to therapy. I opened up slightly. She scratched the surface. Blubbering mess. You know? And I was like, well, how else can I, you know, go through a journey where I can embrace it, learn from it, and help others at the same time? And this is it. You know, talking. It's fucking mad, isn't it? We all talk. But why can't we talk about it? Talk about how I'm feeling. Because I'm a man. That's why. Men don't show darkness. Men don't do this. Men don't sit and cry. I'll tell you what, I'm a fucking man. I cry, you know, sometimes. To myself. And I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm not. I'm also now not afraid to admit to whoever's listening to this that I have a problem. Before, I felt, you know, stupid. I felt silly. I felt like, why have I got this problem? I didn't see. Yes, I went to war war zones. I went to combat zones. I did face every day the fact that I could go outside and die. Did I see those things? Did I see ieds did i deal with uh multiple contacts and things like that i didn't i had uh times where we thought we had ieds or we had to go through the drills and skills to um clear it uh yes i slept through many many rocket attacks i went th- uh, like witnessed it firsthand yes i dealt with uh Countless major incidents when I was in the uh, command centre Some of which were hard to deal with and others And it affects different people in different ways You know, a lot of people will go You're just an RAF regiment gunner I think I mentioned this in the first episode So what? My mind is just as fragile as anybody else's The way I deal with things is different than anybody else You know I have a, a friend who got injured on separate tours. Once had his Achilles tendon severed. The other time he was shot in the... Uh, it was a ricochet that hit his helmet, so basically got shot in the head. You know, he's probably perfectly fine. I don't know otherwise, but he every time I've seen him since, perfectly fine. And then there's me that hasn't been in that sort of physical um, contact. But that doesn't mean that I haven't dealt with stressful situations and um, and got you know the depression that way. You can laugh at me, you can ridicule me, you can do what you like. Hey, guess what? I'm helping other people that have different problems because I'm showing you it's okay not to be afraid to share your thoughts and feelings. And that's you know one thing i like to to do is talk now and stay focused and be active and be motivated you know there's nothing worse than just being you know so down on yourself so sorry for yourself that you then become lazy fat slow slobbish you know you've got your problems They're now in your hands to deal with them how you want. You can feel sorry for yourself and let it absolutely ruin and overtake your life. Or you can take it and you can control it yourself by being physical, by being motivated to then move your body to produce these positive endorphins that will then counteract the ways you're feeling there are other ways that can help cbd oil is one of them i've been taking it and i'm telling you now i can feel the effects of it like like something you know chronic <laughs> see what i did there something chronic um but it helps you know there's these little things that you can do ride a bike Go for a walk. Take your dog out. Do something that you want to do that will make you feel better. Take your wife out for lunch. Phone your nan up and go, Hi, nan, how you doing? You know, these positive little things remember things as well. Remember the happy times that you did or have done. Or in the case of serving, you know, you get funny times. Stupid, silly times. And that will make you laugh. And then laughter, smiles, you'll feel better. And each day you'll get better and better and better and better. I'm telling you now. You know, since I've started this, I've had the feedback from everybody. I I hope to get more feedback now that I'm on Twitter. Twitter wanker. But yeah. You know, I just love the fact that I can now open up more. And you guys can come with me on my journey through the positivity that I'm now releasing. Feel free to like retweet me or whatever and just give me some feedback because the more feedback I get, the more structure I can get while I'm doing it. You know, at the beginning, it might have been a bit less structured because, you know, I'm still getting new to giving out sports news and uh, and things like that. But now, when I'm getting into the nitty gritties, the PTSD problems, this is like my active um, personal journal. I like to write, but I'm not very good. I'm, I'm super dyslexic, so it's hard for me to comprehend into writing it down. Where talking comes second nature now. You know, I've always... I've always been a talker, just not over those sort of things. But now I know it's okay to talk about it. I won't shut up about it. Again. Sean, Tomo, Tomo, you said this wasn't going to be just about PTSD, these podcasts. Why not? Because I've given you lots of different, you know, topics that I've been talking about. But mainly it is my journey. And I'm focused on my journey. I'm loving it. I'm loving the feedback. I'm loving everybody that's listened to it. And, you know, it's just nice to be able to articulate myself in a in the right way where other people can listen to it and go, I know how he feels. This is how I feel. I like the fact that he's driven he's motivated now I've never been so driven I've never been so motivated to do anything you know I'm actually looking forward to the next episode that I get to send out because oh look you guys are giving me this feedback I can do this I can do this and having this like verbal journal as it were has been an inspiration to me to want to feel positive so that I can relay my positivity onto other people. And I just, I literally, as soon as I finish one episode, I can't wait to do the next. It's a little stressful because I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to keep repeating myself. I hope people don't understand that I'm still new. I'm trying to get through. But I'm getting there. And uh, like I said earlier, always try and remember little funny things that happened little funny little antidotes and funny little um maybe not funny but sometimes it's like a little life lesson um i've got one right so we're in kandahar and we had just been out on the ground for a couple of days doing the uh, tesseral footprint i believe and we're coming back in to resupply uh, did the vehicle checks get ready at the time i was a vehicle commander i wasn't a lance corporal or anything um but because i'm a super biff and uh didn't do my uh 600 driving tests so i couldn't drive any landies or anything i got to be the vehicle commander if anything it worked in my favor excuse me um so i was busy doing the um vehicle checks getting the vehicle ready so i called to one of the uh SACs who at the time was one of the new lads hadn't been on the squadron long hadn't passed out long was his first tour uh, during uh, pre-deployment was a bit of a biff uh, I must admit guy's still in now I'm not going to name his name but he knows who he is (coughs) and uh, he was a bit of a gobshite as well you know I'm known to be a bit of a gobshite I sort of said what was on my mind Quite a lot, got me in trouble quite a lot, but it also proved that I wasn't a pushover, I wasn't an ass licker or anything like that. And basically what I did was I asked him to get the mail. That is it. Can you go over to the um, cabin, get the mail, you know? And uh, he gives me attitude. And you know, this is the time in my life where I was a bit more aggressive than I am now. And he started giving me attitude. Why have I got to fucking go and do this? Why have I got to do that? Why, have I got, why, are you not, why are you always picking on me to do it? And I'm like, I'm not picking on you to do it. I'm just asking you, can you go and get the mail? Everybody else has got a job right now. We're getting the vehicles ready to go out. Can you go and get the mail? Still some attitude. And then he says, I can't remember the exact words he said, but he said something that got me going the wrong way. So I chased him down the compound. I think he said he was going to bang me out, I think his words were. So I chasing him down the compound. I went, well, if you're going to bang me out, you little gobshite, go ahead. So he starts gobbing off a bit more. So I dropped the fucking headbutt on him, didn't I? Right on his nose. And uh, we get pulled apart. And I told him to go and get the fucking mail. And he was like... What is so big about the male? And basically the moral of the story is, right, the headbutt side, he deserved it. And I'm sure everybody on the squadron who knows who I'm talking about knows he deserved it. And he probably still needs another one. Um, But but that's another story. Uh, The moral of the story is how far just a little bit of morale will go. Those of you that have been out in the desert been out on tours knows that a phone call an email a little blue letter or a bluey how or a box you know a you know a, like a care package how what that little bit of morale does even now right how nice is it if someone if you get a letter from someone or a, or a text out of the blue hey mate you're right but when you've been on tour and you're not getting regular contact with people at home, you might have Op Minimize on or whatever, but you receive a, a blue letter from your missus, your mum, your brother, your uncle, your dad, sister, whoever. You open it up and you're like, ah, that makes me feel better. It's not me being a dick it's not me going, go and do that because I don't want to do it. That's me saying, go and get the morale for the lads. I might not have even had a letter. He might have had a care package. How nice is it just to go and get the mail? You walk back to all the vehicles and you've got a big box full of like mail for a flight. And everyone's like, yeah, give us my mail. So the moral of the story is, don't be a dick. Go and get the morale. How nice is it when you're fucking out on exercise and someone pulls out a bag of fucking Haribo and you're like, yeah, that little bit of sugar, that morale goes a long way. And the same in life and the same with people that struggle with PTSD, depression, anxiety, whatever. I've done it before with my with my mate Nick, who struggles a little bit, you know, send him a text out of the blue. I go, mate. How are you doing? Do you remember that time where we were in Iraq and I threw a fucking American football and hit you square in the head and you didn't talk to me for two days? A little bit of banter back. Just that little bit of morale, that little bit of, you know, kindness goes a long way. And it always will do. And, the, and morale in life, at home, Be happy, be positive. It seriously it goes a fucking long way, and I mean that. And I love the fact that I'm getting the feedback that I'm getting. I love the fact that I can now take it on board. I can pass out my message. Everything I'm doing right now is positive, and the positive mindset, the positive thinking, the uh, fucking say again, Sean. Why not the positivity? oh my God, it makes me feel so much more alive than I did two, three weeks ago when I was in my van in tears because I didn't know what to do with myself. But now I'm like, take what I learnt there, that darkness, that fucking deflated, anxious, depressed person, just take him, nurture him, And now, look, two, three weeks and I'm back to being my zealous self. My dad would like that. My enthusiastic, I feel like I can go forward in my job. I can talk to my boss and find out what I can do to go up the ladder instead of thinking, fuck, I'm a security guard. I go home now and I'm excited to hear that the girls have had a good day at school, that they're on the rainbow or whatever. I speak to Kate and go, hey babe, how are you doing? How was work? And she's like, oh, it was good, thanks. Even that, it's like, yeah, I want to know. Before I was like, coming home and she was like, are you right? Yeah, fine. Very monotone, very lackadaisical. I didn't, wa- didn't want to go to the gym, I didn't want to do this, but now it's like I want to do everything again. 32 years old and I've got a new lease of life I've got this podcast I'm trying to get off the ground off and running I've got a job that I've got I'm able to progress through I've got other avenues that are coming up and things like that I've got friends that want to spend time with me I've got friends that keep giving me like feedback on the podcast what they would like to hear what they would like me to do can they come on it when are we gonna have phone ins? When we're gonna do this, when you're gonna get your laptop up and run and sort that out again. Try and fix your face before you start talking. Get your laptop up and running so you can like get people into the shed So many positive things are coming out of this and I just wanna thank everyone that's helped me through it. Everybody. You know, you know who you are, those people that are helping me out. I don't need to name names because this is my show, <laughs> but yeah, everybody from people I work with, people at home, uh, former friend, former friends, former regiment gunners, serving regiment gunners, fucking other servicemen and women that I never thought would ever listen to a RAF regiment gunner or former RAF regiment gunner speak about his problems without taking the piss. It's nice. And I feel like I've got a new lease of life And I, feel, I just want to thank everybody for helping me through it And I really hope that this episode was as good as the last one And hopefully the next one will be better And so on and so on and so forth And I really can't wait to upload and get the next one ready Do you know what I mean? I feel so enthused, so inspired by everybody at the minute And it's great and I just want to, yeah. Again, I can't thank you guys enough for helping me through the the tough times, the dark times I've had. You know, people tell me that I can go off and train with them to help me through that part of my life. I've been I've been offered to go and do some jujitsu to help me focus on something else to help broaden the mind. I've been offered. To help me make Sigh, even more with the boxing. Thank you very much, Sigh, for my whiskey, by the way. A bit of Johnny Walker. Hey, have some Johnny Walker. Fucking shitload of ice. Put some lemonade in it. Fuck me, I got pissed the other night. Literally, just at home. Just sipping on that. Next thing I know, bit pissed. But, yeah. <laughs> um, just, again, all I can say is thank you. I've said it enough times now. I need to fucking shut up. And... Um, yeah, honestly, I cannot wait for the next episode to drop and I cannot wait for you guys to give me some feedback on this one about the pertinent points, probably in the middle. The beginning was a bit of a mess. Apologise, I will try and sort that out because I'm only four episodes in. What can I say? I'm still learning. Um, but yeah, it's time for me to um, sign out. And uh, as they say in the, my regiment, per joy, yeah? through adversity thank you very much for listening i've been tomo and it's been great listening great listening <sighs> ruin that didn't i <laughs> oh it's been great talking to you apologies for that ending <laughs> see you later guys Hello, Charlie, Charlie one, this is Granite Zero, out.